The following podcast is brought to you by the Tumbling Saber Powerful Friends community. Become a Powerful Friend today and get exclusive podcasts, early access podcasts, ad-free podcasts, monthly giveaways, and more. Visit patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. The Tumbling Saber team is proud to present Worthy of Recognition, a look at the names and faces that make Star Wars an unforgettable experience and an integral part of our lives. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for another edition of Worthy of Recognition, and this month I am lucky to be joined by one of our great powerful friends, Mr. Derek DuVernay. Derek, how you doing, sir? Very well. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you for making the time. As always, man, this is this is one of the great pleasures of being part of Tumbling Saber for me, and I, I'm delighted that uh, you were able to squeeze us in. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a problem at all. All right, so let's just jump right into the story here. What pulled you into the Star Wars franchise? What what year was it? What were you doing? What was going on in the world of Derek? Okay, I thought about this while yesterday while I was at work trying to because I knew this question was going to come up at least that was one of the first ones and um, what got me into it was I really have to hit the memory bank here because it was a long while ago because I'm 41 now so I have to go back to when I was about three oh 1980 I think is the earliest memory that I could come up with and it wasn't even I was living with my grandparents at the time and it was my uncle Michael that was a star Wars fan originally. And I remember, I think he was at school. If I do recall, and I broke into his room and he had all kinds of star Wars memorabilia and he's still a fan till this day. And, uh, I remember one of the things I found, he had a stuffed animal Chewbacca. Yes. And he had this, uh, um, figurine case of Darth Vader and he still has this to this day he still has it he has it stored away and he said that that was going to be for me someday when whenever his time on earth is over he said that would be one of the things he would gift me because he has no children on his own so that was one of my earliest memories now at that point I hadn't even watched the movies yet because I was only three so um A New Hope come out two months before I was born in 1977. So I didn't actually watch the original trilogies until probably when we moved back from Oklahoma. I was probably around 11, 12. Oh, wow. And I've watched them many times over since then. So, I mean, I've definitely well-versed with the original trilogies now. Um, But probably the Star Wars that I'm from would be the prequel trilogies. And um, I found that I enjoyed those as well, um, even though a lot of people didn't. I think uh, as the years have went on, I think I've learned to appreciate them even more so now. Yep. But uh, yeah, uh, it's been probably a lifelong thing, even though, like I said, I didn't. I, I remember my first introduction to Star Wars was to my uncle with uh, his, his collection of stuff. So. The Star Wars case is what really triggered because that's the one I remember the most because I saw it so many times. It's an old Darth Vader uh, figurine case, and he had a whole bunch of different 
figurines ranging from the Ugnats to the Gamorreans to Emperor Palpatine himself, Luke, and all kinds of stuff like that. So that's where that kind of started me on my path. So it's a, it's another one of those things where we realize just how important the toys were to Star Wars in terms of, of cementing it into into the force that it is now. Because you couldn't get the, the did you, have you watched the uh, toys that made us documentary on Star Wars? Uh, I don't believe I I've, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen that as of yet. No. So what, what one of the things they touched on was how important the toys were because they weren't ready for the film's release, and so that's that's where the early bird thing came from. Um, it was it was the promise to get you the figures once they were ready, which was months after the movie was out. But once those toys got into people's hands, like that is what sustained fandom between movies. Because we had you had three long years between movies, and you know there, there was you, you couldn't watch the movies. You know you could listen to the soundtrack or read the storybook, but you could not actually watch the movie again. So you made your own adventures with your pals or with your brother or whoever was with you. Yeah. So yeah the, it, toy, the toys were just so important. And that's, I think I can exact, I think I can remember playing with those figurines too and doing just that. So, I mean, I think the toy sales for the star Wars franchise in general is really withstood the test of time. If, if you have to really look at it even now. Well, yeah. I mean, back in the day it was, you know, different toy manufacturers trying time and time again to, to create the star Wars killer. And it was only once the original trilogy had run its course and through theaters and the toy line had run out of gas, that's when the He-Mans and the Transformers really took over. But as long as the Star Wars was fresh, it was it was like the 10,000-pound gorilla in the room. Oh, yeah. I have no doubt about that at all. No uh, doubt. How about once you got to the prequel era? It, it fascinates me that someone – like we're the same age basically. And it was the prequels that really – sunk it's like that's what it took to really hook you into fandom it was the prequel trilogy is that would that be about right yeah absolutely because at that point i was a teenager when um the phantom menace come out because i think that came out what 1999 i do believe we are coming up on the 20th anniversary so yes i was um well actually i was a little bit older than that actually i was 21 because i was born in 77 so i was almost 22 so i was to the age at that point where i could make sense of a lot of stuff i mean when i was younger even when i was uh you know when i saw the original trilogies when i was like 12 13 years old yeah i understand you know i watched the movies i liked the movies but i didn't have a real understanding of fandoms at that point i had no idea like that hell i hadn't even gotten into you know high school yet to be in, introduced to all this stuff you know but when the prequel trilogies come out, I was older, so I started to get an understanding of the fandom, but I really wasn't into it, you know, the whole fandom thing. I, you know, I didn't do the fandom thing until probably the Clone Wars come out. You know, that's when I really started delving into it. Um, the the prequel trilogies come out, you know, like I said, 1999. I think, what, uh, Revenge of the Sith was the last one, and was it 2005? Yeah. And it was about that time when my father, you know, he passed away in 2004 and I found myself in a real bad spot, you know, real bad. And star Wars is what, you know, kind of got me out of my funk. I'll be honest with you. I, once I started, you know, I had fin I had watched, you know, 
Revenge of the Sith, and that helped me out. But that's when I got introduced to the fandom and a lot of the EU books at that point. I didn't even know they existed at that point because I hadn't really got into it all that much. But once once I once my father had passed, I was in a real bad spot, depression wise. Sure. You no. Know? And uh I remember I was at work. I was still currently working where I am now. And uh I saw this book just sitting on the, in the in the break room one day and I picked it up and I was like, what is this? It had a picture of Luke Skywalker on it. But it was an older version of Luke. It wasn't a Luke that I'd seen before. I'm like, well, what do we got going on here? And uh it was the new, one of the new Jedi Order books. And that's kind of where it cascaded for me. So probably from 2004 on, I've been a massive fan. Just soak in everything I can get my hands on. Now, are you, what, what is your, I guess it's always easy to say the movies, but what, what do you love to dive into most? Are you, are you a, a novels guy, EU guy, or do you like the animated stuff? Or what is the piece of Star Wars that drives you the most? I like the novels. I really do. Because what I've learned with all movies in general that are based on novels, um, you could get a lot more out of a novel than you sometimes can with a movie. Because they, they have to cut a lot of stuff out of the movies. And so for me, I always like reading books. And I've done that with not just the Star Wars franchise, others. I mean, you know, the Harry Potter franchise, I read all the books in that. I watched the movies. Yeah, the movies were pretty good, but they don't compare to what the books will give you. The books give you way more context to go with. So um, I've always been a novel person. And then, you know, about 2008, I got into the animated stuff. I really wasn't a big time anime fan. I am now, though, you know, after the Clone Wars, you know, I got to say the Clone Wars series actually went a long way in helping me appreciate a lot more about the prequels than anything else really when you factor in the clone wars animated series and go along with the the prequel movies it all kind of it makes it makes everything that much more better for me yeah the clone wars they do so much to fill in the gaps and build so many characters up but you're so, you're so right about novels you can go real deep in a novel in, in a way that you can't in, in a film or, or a comic book or even one single episode of a cartoon. That, and that that's what mo- makes novels so great. Like You get these obscure characters, but you get to know them really, really well. Well, a, a great example would be um, if you if you happen to read um, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, before you went and saw The Last Jedi, you'd have an understanding of who Admiral Holdo was in the movie. Even though she was a new character, I read the all the Leia novel so that Leia Princess of Alderaan shows kind of sort of who you know Amelyn Holdo was when she got when she was introduced in the movie so a lot of people had always you know I've seen a lot of different debates online of course showing you know well why does Holdo dress like this why does she act like this like if you read the Princess of Leia novel you get the idea that what you saw Amelyn Holdo in the movie was pretty much exactly as she was in the book. It doesn't, it, so seeing her character make the sacrifice that she did and all that stuff in the movie, that's exactly what she would have done. Cause that's what we were introduced to. Yeah. She was always, uh, she was always eclectic and eccentric in that way. Like mm-hmm. you, you got a real vibe that she was, she was a total hippie. <laughs> yep. 
Yep, exactly. So I mean, and that I got that characterization from her from the novel. So when I saw her, when I saw her character unveiled on the big screen, I wasn't taken aback by it because I knew that's who she was. So yeah, everything she did was exactly as I would have predicted her to do, even though her character was introduced to us probably forty years prior to that yeah, movie. Absolutely. But you you can see that's exactly how she would have been. Especially how she was with, you know, how she treated Poe, too. You know, that's exactly how she would have been because her and Leia were introduced to the rebellion. So keeping things from Poe in the movie and stuff like that, where people said, well, why wouldn't you tell him that, this, that, any of that stuff? I'm like, because that's exactly how she would have been. She grew up in the espionage deal. So she wasn't going to tell just anybody what was going on. She was going to keep. What a great point, though. Like she her backstory regarding espionage. And then when you think about how the resistance probably suspected a mole or a spy on board, otherwise how would the first order know how to follow them? They hadn't figured that riddle out yet. So yeah, an an espionage expert like Holdo totally would have probably thought went down that way. That yeah, that's a, that's a, that's pretty interesting insight there, Derek. Yeah. It's exactly how she would have been because of what she witnessed with Leia, you know, discovering what Bale was doing on crate and all that stuff. You know, that whole book kind of starts, you start seeing that's exactly how Holdo would have been in command. She would have been very guarded with who she was going to talk to until she knew exactly, you know, what they were all about. So yeah, not telling Poe anything. That's not surprising. I wouldn't have either because of what her experiences were. Very valid point. Uh, So being a book guy, this year must be like, this has got to be like the year for you. There's so much coming. Yeah. Um, I'm looking <laughs> the deep breaths. For- yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to that. The next Thrawn book. I, I've loved the other two. I really have. I think a lot of people are, are saying that the Thrawn that they brought back into Canon a lot of people don't seem to are not jiving with them. Me, I think it's a perfect blend of what Thrawn should be. Because I've read the Thrawn trilogy, good trilogy, you know, the old EU books by Timothy Zahn. Yep. But I think he's got Thrawn the way it's way he's supposed to be now. I, I think he blended the EU Thrawn with the new Thrawn. And it makes Thrawn's character, in my opinion, a very even stronger now. I like the new Thrawn. I really do. I think he's he's exactly as I thought he should be. I didn't like the the stoic Thrawn as much. I thought he didn't show enough emotion. Whereas you're seeing Thrawn in in the Rebels series and in the books, he showed a little more emotion than what the other Thrawn did in the EU. And I kind of appreciate that a lot more. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I just watched um, the finale of Rebels season three prior to us recording here tonight. And it was, it was the episode where, where Thrawn takes out Bendu, but you see him, he's caught off guard. He does, it's something he doesn't get. He doesn't understand this Bendu guy. And that's it, it, the haunting part where he, Bendu tells Thrawn that he sees his defeat at the, with all those, the, 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 at the wrapped in a cold embrace of a bunch of long arms or something like that, hinting mm-hmm. directly at the rebels finale, which was just fantastic. Oh yes. Yes. So what what books have got you excited other than Thrawn for this year? Uh well, I I like the idea of that um 
the sky the skywalker saga books that are coming out I'm, I'm curious on it i wouldn't say i'm as hyped for it as i am for thrawn but that's one of them uh Gosh, you know, to be honest with you, I haven't really kept, I haven't really been keeping up to date on a lot yeah, that's of them. fine. We'll, we'll bring it up to date in our next podcast. We'll go, <laughs> we're going to be talking a lot about books next week. Oh, sweet. Uh, well, last question before we jump into your Mount Rushmore of, of all the stuff. So we've got the Mandalorian, we've got Clone Wars coming this year and episode nine. Which of those things has, has got you revved up the most? Boy, that's a tough one because they're all three. <laughs> <laughs> all three, yeah. three kind of hit in different levels for me. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say episode nine is probably on the top tier of the list for me, just because I'm really curious what JJ is going to do from the last Jedi, because contrary to popular belief, I love the last Jedi. I think everything about it really hit with me as far as the movie goes. So I'm curious where JJ is going to take it. Because really, we were all, before, right after The Last Jedi ended, we were all pretty much set that it was going to be Colin Trevorrow directing it. So we were preparing for that. And then all of a sudden, you know, the curveball was thrown that Trevorrow was not going to be directing. And now J.J. comes back in. And I hadn't really thought much about J.J. since The Force Awakens, another movie that I enjoy. So the, the, the mystique about what Episode Nine could be because I've seen, I've been reading some of the speculations on Reddit and stuff like that. I don't take them to heart, but I do read them just because I'm curious about it. And I don't know what's BS and what's legit, but there's some interesting ideas floating around that could work. Yeah, there's there's some some wild stuff going around. I try to stay off Reddit, but sometimes the, I, I, I just can't help myself. And I, I yeah, dip in and I go, oh my God. That's exactly how I am. You know, I don't really pay a lot of attention to it, but sometimes just the, the inquisitive person that I am, I have to just look just for my own, just to keep my sanity, you know, just to see what's going on. I mean, I doubt half of what's on there is true, but you never know. There might be something there that could very well be exactly legit. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Episode 9 is top of my list, but I am so stoked for virtually every single thing that's coming out yeah. this year. I'm I'm so excited to uh to be around at this part of human history to see this 2019 year through with with Star Wars. I I it's it's mind-boggling to me. But anyway, let's let's jump into your Mount Rushmore of Star Wars. We've got four names. I'm sure you've got four names baked up here for us. Uh hit us with the first one. Who is on your list? As in my top character? Uh, just the per- the the people, whether it's a character or someone in your life, for, for, maybe it's your uncle that got you into Star Wars, but people who shaped your Star Wars experience. Uh, hmm. Let's see here. Uh, well, really, because a lot, you know, my uncle's a good, I never thought about him because he's the one that introduced me to it. So, yeah, I guess he would probably be in the top he would probably be number four, but then I have to go into the characters because it's the characters that I resonate the most with. And number one on my list has to be Ahsoka Tano. That's my favorite character. Wow. That's my absolute favorite character of the whole franchise. Now it took, and that is probably a surprise to a lot of folks, but she's been my favorite character since I, since the Clone Wars series. Now I will say, 
when I first got introduced to her in the animated movie, I wasn't really sold on her at first. I was like, well, who is this? She was annoying. <laughs> but but as, as her character progressed, I started to really be able to um, reason with how her character was because I put myself in her position. How would I be as a young kid, you know, being paired with this... Uh, with this um, the new master. guy, yeah, with this master that he's kind of off the cuff, to put it mildly. He doesn't exactly march to the same beat as the rest of the Jedi Council does. He's on his, he's kind of got his own path that he's going on. So I could see where, okay, I'm being taught by this guy, but yet everything that I had learned before, I'm starting to question that. And her character really resonates with me a lot because. It just shows the growth of who she was all throughout. And then, I'd have, and then I'd have to go with Luke Skywalker just because of the the character. Because he, he was the first character introduced in the whole thing. And um, I got I to gotta give another shout out to Princess Leia. Really? I really love uh, Leia is the no-nonsense type of lady that, you know, in, that, in the whole – in the whole franchise, that's you know, she she takes you can just reading all the books about her, but just seeing how that character developed, yeah, that's those are probably my four, I would guess. I'm sure I could think of some others. Well, let's let's circle back because I love Ahsoka sitting at the top of that list. She's in my top five. She was, I think, she, I think, I man, the last time I I had to create my top five characters list. She came in somewhere around, I don't know, three or four, but she's on the list. I love Ahsoka so much. And like I said, when I first met her in that, in the Clone Wars movie, I was like, Oh man, she's, she's cloying. She's a little bit irritating, but then the series started and you kind of grew with this character and she matured and, and she became super powerful and just a, a very savvy little character. And so I'm wondering, what is what, what is your favorite Ahsoka moment, whether it's from Clone Wars or Rebels or, or somewhere else? Oh, boy. Favorite moment. Um, it was definitely – there's two favorite moments that I have. One is in the Clone Wars and one is in Rebels. Uh, probably my first favorite moment was in the – I can't remember what – episode it was but it was when um anakin got hurt where he saved um he saved ahsoka and um oh, i'm trying to remember alia secula alia secura secura yeah i i don't know why i got secula out of it secura. <laughs> close enough but, we'll figure but, it out but um he uh stopped that blast from hitting him and then in the process damn near killed got himself killed and that was a you know and in that moment in time that's the first time you actually see what anakin means to ahsoka i mean that's her master but it was more than just anakin was more than just her master in my opinion watching their watching their uh, relationship develop throughout the whole series yeah he was her master but I think she looked to him more like a family member, like a brother. Absolutely. That was, that was how I always, that's how I've always felt 
the Ahsoka Anakin dynamic was. It was, yeah, he was her master, but the way he trained her was almost like an older brother looking after a younger sister. Yeah, he let her make her mistakes and he let her know it, but he was also there to pick her back up when she needed it. But he didn't, he didn't approach her training like Obi-Wan did with him. He allowed her to learn, you know, which is probably one of the greatest, as Yoda said, no, you know, last Jedi failure is the greatest teacher there is. And he allowed her to experience that. Yeah. She made mistakes. He made mistakes, but he said, yeah, that's what happens. So that's, even though he was considered a general master, I said, no, that's an older brother tell, you know, helping his little sister around in the world, in a galaxy. That's pretty tough. Yeah. Well, it's, it's from like the very first moment you meet her when she walks off the ramp of that shuttle and Anakin's like, when she says, Oh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm here to be master Skywalker's Padawan. And it was just like, from the very first moment you meet her, it was, it's almost, you get that impression that it was like, Mom said you have to take me with you type thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes, the, the the younger sister thing totally holds. And yeah, I th- and I think that was I think that bond was built all throughout the Clone Wars the whole time. You know, yeah, she referred to him as master, but a lot of times you would see a lot of the talks that they would have. It wasn't like Jedi. It wasn't like student. And a, it wasn't like apprentice and master talk. And it was like siblings talking to each other throughout the whole thing. You know, a lot of times. And I think that was. I think that's what gave me more appreciation to the character of Anakin Skywalker with was adding Ahsoka to his, uh, to his um, circle of his adopted family, I would say, because, you know, he loses his mom. And then, you know, besides Padme, Ahsoka was the only other character in his, in his life that I would say he would take a bullet for. I don't even think he would take a bullet for Obi-Wan as quick as he would have for Ahsoka. If I had to be an honest, make an honest assessment, I think if it came down to it, he'd protect Ahsoka first. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think you can make that case, but it's funny like those three people that form sort of like the, his family, his closest family members, each one slowly taken away from him mm-hmm. and him thinking that they've betrayed him. Yeah. So, yeah, well, it, I, it all feeds into this, in, into Anakin's sort of demise. Yeah, to fall. his fault. Well, I don't know if he felt Ahsoka betrayed him when she left. I don't believe that. No, uh, he probably, I, yeah, he probably felt like she just sort of, she turned. well, she turned her back on the order mm-hmm. that he was a part of. So he probably didn't take it as personally as, as Padme or Obi-Wan for sure. But. I'm sure it bothered him though, because like like we just said, that was a sister leaving, and that someone he came he grew to care about a lot, you know, not just as his apprentice, but it's his family, you know, that was someone that he spent a lot of time with, and he didn't want to see her go. He understood why she was leaving, but I don't know. He, I never got the sense that he was betrayed by her, at least not from my point of view. He was hurt that she left. Yeah, that's that's a better way of putting it. I think he was just hurt. She left, but, but then you go, but it's a good um, thing that you bring up with, you know, he loses his mother and he loses basically his sister. And then of course, eventually his wife, um, you know, eventually that betray- he thinks she betrays him and then she dies. So three important women in his life whom he would have probably died for 
all are all gone. So yeah, I can understand why he why he hit the why he hit the dark slope the way he did. I can't say I probably wouldn't have done the same. It's it's yeah. I mean, for, for this weird wacky space fantasy thing, it's it it is kind of relatable mm-hmm. in a weird way. Uh, all right, let's let's focus in on on Luke. Or actually, you know, let's 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 hear your Ahsoka moment from Rebels. Uh the second one has to be Twilight of the Apprentice because that's the common that's that's everything coming back together, you know, because you had the episode I think prior that she finally has come to the conclusion who Darth Vader really is. And that kind of, that you can see how that affects Ahsoka in in, in such a way. And I got to commend Ashley Eckstein for being able to convey that for us during those episodes, because Ahsoka comes to the conclusion, oh my, my brother's the one that's doing this. Someone that she cares about, she loves like a brother. It's her big brother that's went off the deep end. And um, my favorite is when she's battling with him and she's telling him, I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not leaving anywhere. She's, she's refusing to give up on him. And I think that was Ahsoka. And that was Ahsoka to a T, you know, she come to the conclusion that her brother's a, a Sith Lord now, but she still believes that she can help him. She doesn't believe she's not going to leave him like she did before. And that was a, one of a, a poignant moment for me. Yeah. That, basically every time she shows up in rebels is, is one of my favorite Ahsoka moments. Like everyone was, we didn't get too many of them because it was, it would be too easy to let her take over the show. But every time she shows up, it's, it's, it's a big time weighty moment. All right. So now we, now we can turn our, our, our that other guy, Luke, we, let, let's talk about him for a minute. <laughs> Yeah, the other guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's not he's not important, is he? <laughs> uh, what's your favorite version of Luke? Are you an old school guy? Farm boy Luke's your guy, or do you do you cross to the other end of the spectrum and now you you kind of dig old man Luke? Where, where's who is your Luke? I actually like old man Luke. I really do. I think old man Luke is exactly what we were starting to get um, shades of in Return of the Jedi. And the reason why I say that is right before the Emperor starts to fry him with the Force Lightning, he does one thing that sticks with me now that I've watched The Last Jedi. Instead of fighting the Emperor, which he could have done, he throws down his lightsaber and says, No, I'm not gonna fight you. I'm yep. not gonna fight. I'm not gonna fight. I'm not gonna fight you. I'm gonna you're probably gonna kick my tail but I'm not going to fight with you. And he threw his lightsaber down. Now, if that doesn't tell you what old man Luke's all about, then there you go. Right there in the last Jedi or return of the Jedi, it shows he's throwing his blade down. He says, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight. And that's exactly the Luke we got in the last Jedi. He's not, he doesn't want to fight. He's, he's gone. He's gone full pacifist. Yeah. He's had it. You know, he, the, the, the galaxy is pretty much give give dealt him lousy cards the whole time around he was i'm done and so old man luke is definitely one i relate to because that's exactly how i would be i'd be like you know what the heck with all this let you guys fight i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry i i'm gonna stay on this island you just leave me be well it's it's interesting because you know all these movies that we we dig so much all this nerd stuff 
what makes Star Wars different is is the lesson that it shows us at the end through Luke that when you stop fighting, that's when you win. Mm-hmm. It's the violence begets violence whole thing. Luke only wins and bring, brings his father back when he throws away his sword. Whereas in other action movies or uh, superhero movies, the good guy will fight until the bad guy is dead. Mm-hmm. And which, which is fine. I mean, that's it is fun. We love these movies. I love those movies to death. I, I'm looking at a whole ton of them on my shelf here. But it's, oh, yeah. Star Wars is different in that way in that the lesson is the fight what Yoda, exactly what Yoda says the wars not make one great and and that's what that's what I found was so honest about Luke in the last Jedi was that he carried forward the I don't want to fight stuff from from return of the Jedi he took that with him and which I understand why people were upset because people wanted to see the action sequence with their old hero but that's not what Luke's about and it even took like it took me a, a little bit to get used to that, to the idea that, wow, we're not we're never going to see Luke sort of taking all comers anymore. We're well, gonna, we're gonna have to get used to this idea that he is on a quest for knowledge, and and the whole fighting thing is dead. And that's that's really one of the things I've grown to love about the Last Jedi is that yeah, it, it was honest to the OT in a way that. I wasn't expecting it to be or in a way that I didn't realize it needed to be. Well, I mean, I can even go back into some of the old EU books and Luke was similar in that aspect where he was always trying to gain higher knowledge. And it was always stated, you know, when some of the books I read that, you know, even his wife at the time, Mary Jane even said the same thing that as far as a lightsaber duelist, Luke really wasn't always that great of a lightsaber com and wasn't always that great in lightsaber combat. That was always, that was, a, I remember that being stated in, in a book. I want to say it was a new, it was an NJO book where they were her and a bunch of other masters were sparring or something. And she even said that, you know, Luke was never really that, you know, when it came to combat, she was, she was talking about the Jedi masters at the time. She goes, Luke would be the first one that tells you that combat isn't something that he's, he's not one of the most skilled warriors using the lightsaber. He never was. He, she said there was always others in the order that were better at combat, but that his overall grasp of what the force was about was what set him apart from everybody else. So there you go right there. They kind of mind a little bit of a EU stuff. They're crafting his character by saying, you know, his, he gained knowledge. Yes, he wasn't bad with a lightsaber, but she said, or, you know, Mara always said that he wasn't one of the best with the blade, but that what set him apart was that he could, he grasped a lot more knowledge than others did. Yeah. That makes, it makes a lot of sense. Cause yeah, even in the OT and I know it was part of the, the era in which the movie was made, but yeah, the, 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 the lightsaber battles back in the OT were nothing to, Especially, especially when you compare it to the prequels that came along later, but they're they're kind of clumsy. They're not that dynamic. So yeah, you carry that forward into the into the New Jedi Order books or the whatever EU stuff that came along after it. Yeah, for sure. Luke was probably not uh, not at all the swordsman that Qui Gon or Mace Windu would be. No, not not even close. And so I think they've stuck with that pretty good. I mean, we don't know how 
Luke was with the blade because there's so many, there's still a 30 year gap that we haven't gotten yet of Luke in the new canon yet. So we might be introduced to some new stuff from Luke, but I don't know. I'm going to go on a limb and say probably combat wasn't always something that he really cared to do. I mean, yeah, he did it, it because was, he had, it was a last resort uh, thing for Luke. For sure. Yeah. I think he did it because he had to, but I don't think it was something that we'd want to. Yeah. I think, I think if we explore that 30 year gap, between episode six and seven and we and we look at it through luke's eyes i think we're going to learn a lot of jedi lore i think we're going to learn a lot about the history of the jedi um and like just the nature of the force whatever that might mean but i don't think we're going to see a lot of uh the swashbuckling stuff and i'm okay with that i am i'm big on lore in force mythology so that's the kind of stuff that gets my attention for sure. Oh yeah, I would love. I want to see that kind of stuff for sure. And hey, I'm sure that, that the odd action sequence will be thrown in. That's part of Star Wars. But yeah, the 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 older I get, the more interested I am in the in the history and the lore and the the badassery. Yeah, it's still fun for sure. No, no question about that. That's that's kind of the pulse pounding stuff. But yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely wanting more of the the character driven stuff first. Same. So what do you think is coming for Luke in episode nine? We're, you think we're getting a force ghost? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think so too. I, that's, uh, I, I would be absolutely shocked if they didn't bring him back as a force ghost. Now, as to, as to what role he's going to play, there's a couple different ways that they could do that. I don't know how they – I'm not sure which direction they would go. But if they was to bring Luke in as kind of like a Gandalf type of character where he is – I think he's going to have interaction with uh, Kylo for sure. There's going to, I, and I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how they're going to do that, but he's going to be in Kylo's ear. I think he's going to have, I, I think he's going to have some interaction with Ray. I don't know how much exactly, but I believe, you know, you're going to have, I believe you know, you're going to have a couple different arcs going on here. You're going to have the resistance of part, the resistance slash rebellion arc. And then you're going to have the force mythology arc, similar to what we were getting in the last Jedi. And I think the force mythology arc is the one that I'm looking forward to the most, because there's still a lot of stuff that Luke can do even as probably more. He could probably do more. So now as the force goes, cause he's not trapped to being in one spot, he could show up anywhere. <laughs> yep. He could be like that annoying neighbor that just shows up when you don't want him there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. I think he's going to be a guide for Ray, and also in a way that he was not uh, in in episode eight. I think there's going to be more of a warmth to their relationship instead of that frosty uh, shell that Luke had up. And I also think that maybe if, if there's going to be some humor in episode nine, maybe it's going to be in the in the way of Luke sort of trolling Kylo a little bit. Yeah, I would say that. And I, I w- I'm, I'm down for that. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Luke run some interference on Kylo just to, just to make him angry because an angry Kylo is an entertaining Kylo, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, I think if I have to choose right now in the sequel trilogy what character is really doesn't stand out, it's Kylo. Adam oh, Driver's been... done. A- Adam Driver is just been doing that character justice big time so so good like we we love to hate kylo but it's a credit to how well 
uh, crafted the character is. Yeah. You know, this is this is not just a simple bad guy, I don't think. I think this is a, a guy with many layers to him and with a backstory that is going to... It's already kind of broken our hearts in a way, but I think they're going to just completely stomp on our hearts when we finally learn the life of young Ben Solo and see how he developed as a teen and all the conflict that he felt about his family and all that stuff. I think it's going to crush us. And I can't wait to read it or see yeah. it, however they choose to give it to us. Same. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I can't wait for that. And we will get that at some point, no doubt about it. So I'm I'm really geeked on that one, for sure. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about Kylo's mom, who was also on your Mount Rushmore, Princess Leia. What uh, and General Leia? What? Uh, tell us about what makes her so special to you. Oh gosh, there's so many layers to her character. Um, I have to go back to the novels that I've read about her, including her comics. It's just how, you know, she perceives, you know, the state of the galaxy. She understands. I just believe because she was introduced to a galaxy at war at such an early age that um, you see her develop through this whole arc. And there's really been a lot more, a lot more detailed, you know, a lot more novel stuff and more information given to her character in the new canon than what we had before. You know, if you go back to Princess of Alderaan, you see how she's introduced to the, um, the rebellion. rebellion. Yeah, how she's introduced to the rebellion, how Bale was actually trying to keep her away from it. Yeah, but... isn't that interesting, though? Isn't that an interesting way way that Claudia Gray took it? And only, Leia only became aware of the rebellion after her 16th birthday. Mm-hmm. And yep. we pick up with her in A New Hope when she's what, 19. So there's only a three-year window in which we can get any type of Leia, air quotes, backstory that it might be worth a damn. Because I, I, for as much as I love Leia, I don't really care to know much about her prior to her knowledge of the Rebellion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But in those novels, you start to get a little idea of her. And then the subsequent novels and comics that followed after you start getting to see how she, how she goes with this information and how she applies it. So she learns how to be a spy herself. And that's exactly what she was doing the whole time before a new hope. She was just, she was a spy. And then I think I really, you know, a lot of people didn't like the Leia comic. I did for the example is cause you got a chance to see how she was feeling after Alderaan got destroyed and um, she was, she was trying to be so, so damn stoic in that, but yet you could tell her heart was just about ready to break. Cause that was everything to her. Yeah. And then, and then if you fast forward to the moving target novel, the little short novel leading up to, um, I believe it was one of the journey to the force awakens books, short books, you see this just tough as nails. Leia. She just takes, she, she's just, Alderaan has been blown up. She's, it's right, I think it's right, that book takes place right before Return of the Jedi, I do believe. And she's, again, trying to get allies to help with the rebellion. But you can see she's not, she doesn't take no junk from nobody. And then, you know, you got to go into a lot of other books. You know, I think that, the aftermath books, she was portrayed pretty good, especially in Empire's End. How she has a legit difference of opinion with Mon Mothma about certain things, 
And then the book that stands out to me is the Bloodline novel. That's my favorite one. That's my favorite one because you finally get to see Alea, and she's around, well, she's a little bit older than we are now, but she's seen all the battles. And one of the probably better um, quotes I, that I had read was um, when the, um, you had the centrists and the populists, you know, they were, you know, they had their debate because uh, I believe the centrists were, um, former, were empire remnants, I believe. I, I could be wrong, but I think, yeah, the, the centrists were more likely to align with with the imperial remnants, be, sy- the be sy- pop- sympathetic to, I guess, Im- the imperial cause. And then the populists were um, the new regime that Mon Mothman created. So it was always interesting that even though Leia was considered a populist, there were some that said she had more centrist ideas than what the populists had. She was a populist that was a centrist, I think is what... I think um, Ransom Castifer once said, I think he said, you know, she might be a populist, but she thinks along the lines of the centrist. Because if, if you think about it, she wasn't for demilitarization. She didn't want that. That was the big thing in the Aftermath books that I got with her and Mon Mothma's disagreement. Mon Mothma wanted to demilitarize the galaxy, just kind of leave the, the the planets to fend for themselves. Leia didn't want that. She still think that they needed to have a military presence and she's right. Yeah. Like some people kind of bristled at Leia being a bit of a hawk that way, Mm -hmm. but without that sort of viewpoint that she embodies, you don't get the resistance. Yep. That's why she's, I mean, it's, it's, she she was sort of forced out of, of galactic politics Mm -hmm. by, by ransom. But uh, yeah, was it Ransom Castafo that? No, it was it was it was the other. Ah, I can't remember her name. Lady Cindy, and it was the yes. one that actually outed her. Yeah, but they she used uh, Ransom Castafo to convey that information because actually up until that point, Castafo was actually on Leia's side throughout. At first, she didn't like you didn't like the guy, but then as you got to know him through Leia you realize Ransom wasn't such a bad guy at all. You know, he was just, he was, he grew up in a lousy spot too. He was actually on her side. And then uh, Carice, I think is what her name was. She outed the information to him. That's absolutely right. Yeah. She outed, she basically spoiled the well, poisoned the well for, for Ransom in terms of his admiration for Leia. And then, yeah, he was, he was all too eager to seize that political opportunity for himself. Yep, and it scuttled Leia's career, and then she splinted out and formed the the uh, the resistance. Yep, exactly. So, here's the big question: What do you see for Leia in Episode Nine? Boy, I don't even know. Like, you know. should it be? Should they? Like, my my opinion's always been: give her the best possible version. If everybody's supposed to get their own sort of arc in this sequel trilogy, including the, the legacy heroes, honor that. Try your best to make that work. Don't. I, I, I've never been on the bandwagon to cut Leia's story short. I, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Kyle. I had just do the best you can. That's the. That's all they can do. They can't do anything more. Just do what. Do the best you can, and as long as um, her family's okay with it, then. Who are we to make any judgments on that? Because really, Billy Lord would be the one that would have the most uh, 
to say on it anyway. So as long as she's okay with it, then hey, they I'm seem not gonna... they seem more than okay. I mean, I, Todd Fisher, mm-hmm. I think, has been prone to a little bit of hyperbole here and there, but mm-hmm. he's gone on record more than once talking about how what they've done is is amazing, and I'm 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 totally down with it. If if they want to make a big splash with Leia in nine. I'm here for it, man. I want to see as much Leia as they can reasonably throw at us. Yep. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Whatever they can do to make it the best possible homage to Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher, then that's what, that I'll be okay with that. Yeah. Cause I, I don't, you know, I, I'm one of the things I'm trying to do. I'm trying, I'm trying to deprogram myself from all my expectations in episode nine. So far, so so good, uh, but but what I really really hope we get is a Kylo Leia scene. I really think we need to have that cathartic, intense emotional scene between those two. I don't know how they would do that, considering you you didn't get uh, Carrie Fisher to to do any lines for that specific scene. But I'm hoping that they they can pull a rabbit from their hat. Well, they said that there's a lot of unused footage, so who knows what that unused footage contained. So we don't know. There may have been some stuff in the Force Awakens that we weren't that never that never made to the screen. So yeah, I would agree with you on that. I think there has to be at least one scene where Leia and Kylo are face to face. Oh boy, wouldn't that just kill us? Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would definitely hit the string. My goodness, that well, one of the things we're hearing is that. Uh, the teaser trailer is is a real tearjerker, whatever that might mean, <laughs> you know. Um, I in my mind that means that we might see Leia in this teaser trailer, and it just might be the thing that turns on the waterworks for us. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. I wouldn't doubt that at all. Because I, I don't, they're not going to give away. I don't think if, if we're going to get a teaser at some point soon or at celebration, I don't see them giving away too much plot. But giving us a little bit of Leia will certainly um, sit, like sit with us, and oh, yeah. really deliver the feels in that way. I agree, hundred percent. I think, yeah, I, I, I'm like you. I've just been tempering my expectations. I haven't really been too much into it. I mean, yeah, I may joke around and say stuff here and there, but am I being serious? Nah, who knows? I might be serious in some cases. Some I'm just BSing completely. I'm not really. I'm not trying to go in with any preconceived notions at all. That's that's got, yeah. That's the best thing to do, especially in in a year. You know, 2018 was was a really really strange year for fandom, and I think we learned that a lot of fans have these very set expectations of Star Wars mm-hmm. movies, and when they don't get those expectations met, will you know, blood must spill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fandom has been interesting to say the least. I mean, it always has been. I mean, even back in the day, um, you know, both Empire and Jedi were not universally embraced. Ewoks ruined Star Wars, or Empire was too dark. What is, what is this? And who is this little green guy? Like, people were divided then, just there was no internet to really make that stuff viral. And then, of course, we know what the prequels did. But Star Wars kind of survives each of these phases and, and emerges, in my opinion, stronger. And yeah, I, th- I agree. I, I think right now is is the best time to be a star wars fan oh yeah i agree wholeheartedly 100 percent. we are very very spoiled yeah <laughs> i, I don't spoiled. i i don't 
pay no attention to the negative aspect of it. I just completely cut it out because a, I they may have valid arguments, and I listen to them, but I'm just like, eh, you know, I'm not gonna let it bother me. Yeah, I mean that's that's the contract, right? Like they don't owe us anything in the same way that we don't owe them anything. So them as creatives and a bit as a business, they present us with a story, we take it in. And then we would, we decide what to do with it. We can accept it or reject it. Exactly. It's our own personal choice. Well, here's the, here's the stuff we give you. Now it's up to you to do what you want with it. But, and that's, and then leave it, just leave it, celebrate it or dislike it, but please, please move on. Yeah, exactly. And that's been the thing that, uh, has, has the move on part has been a thing that has not been so successful. No, not at all. Anyway. Uh, Derek, this has been fun chatting with you, man. Yes, it has been. Yes. I can't believe we, you're right. We could have went a lot longer. Oh yeah. And I think you were worried at the beginning saying, ah, I don't, I don't have much to say. Look and look at us. <laughs> yeah. I actually said a lot more than I thought I would. No, it's the, these conversations tend to open up after a little bit and look, we didn't, there wasn't even beer to help us get the, uh, the, the, the mojo going, the, the conversation <laughs> flowing further. Like this, this stuff just comes pouring out once, once you, uh, open the tap. Yes, it sure does. Yeah, this was great. I'm glad. I'd, I'd love to do this again sometime. We will certainly do that. And we're going to, I mentioned this in the newsletter a while back, but we're going to start trying to work in some group calls and we'll, I'll, I'll set times for those and we'll get in as many powerful friends as we can and we'll, we'll have some fun with that. So hopefully so, you'll be able to join us on, on one or two of those down the line. Yes, absolutely. All right, Derek. So before we let you go, tell everybody if they're not already following you on, on Twitter, where can they find you? Okay, well, on Twitter, I'm not on there a whole lot, but it's at MasterScorpio77. And um, I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm a page admin on a Facebook page. Uh, it is CJC, um, Star Wars, The Last Fan Group. And I'm on there quite a bit. That's where I'm at a lot of times. But, you know, those are the two places you can find me. Yeah, and sometimes you, you pop your head into the Tumbling Saber Facebook group, and that's awesome. It's nice to see you there, too, from time to time. Oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, follow Derek if you're not already, and let's let's coax him out of his Twitter shell because Twitter is such a pleasant place. It's it's always the greatest place to be. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm there. You know, like I said, I I kind of tiptoe around everything, but I'm on there. Yeah, absolutely. It's sometimes it can be a really great place when you when you've curated your list and your groups of people and you and you you hang out with them. It's fantastic. And otherwise, if you can go take two steps to the left, you might end up in a really dirty swamp. But <laughs> anyway, that's a story for another day. But Derek, I want to thank you so much for your support with the podcast and everything and your, your time and your energy and your ears and your voice, all that. I appreciate it so, so very much. Thank you so much for having me on, Kyle. This was a this was an absolute pleasure. All right, Derek, we'll talk to you soon. Yes, you take care. <laughs> <laughs>